So, good evening, everyone. Uh, in the evenings, we've been just asking for questions, questions that arise from the morning, discussions based on the Bhagavad or otherwise. So, any questions? Yes. Section in the beginning, um, to the just talking about Pranipat, and I'm wondering if you could explain more. Pranipat? Mm-hmm. Hmm. <laughs> well, this is uh, a word that comes in Bhagavad Gita in the fourth chapter. The fourth chapter is dealing with uh, yoga of, of knowledge. And uh, we see that the kind of knowledge there that it's presenting is is the knowledge that constitutes a uh, that, that that gives rise to, or that let's say knowledge that um, is concomitant to bhakti. As much as bhakti is an action, then. Actions are informed by knowledge, some understanding. So the understanding that um, upon imbibing gives rise to a life of devotion. And so one of the aspects of that, the chapter actually begins with an emphasis on the concept of guru parampara, a succession of teachers and students, where the teacher teaches well and retires, and the student becomes the teacher, and so forth. So a succession, like a chain, parampara, one after another. And um, the one one that comes after the other (laughs) um, speaks and presents in terms of time and circumstance. Which keeps the whole thing kind of vital and alive because times change and people's minds change and topics that are important to people change and so forth. And so, if we were to explain what is really important to people, we sometimes have to go through what's important to them, which may not be that important at all, but what they're preoccupied with. We have to kind of kind of find some common ground with them and um, address those issues that are pressing for them in light of the teaching. This is and gives us some entrance, if you will, into their world hmm? to meet them on their terms. Um, so that is the idea of the parampara of one teacher after another. Um, the times keep changing, so... Um, and... And teachers retire and leave the world. Uh, so they leave one behind. That's the success, one or more, whatever. Um, they go to the other side and they send the boat back, is the idea. And that boat is the, is the one that follows to take us to the other side. So this is an important aspect, then, of this chapter. And later on in the chapter... As the teaching is proceeding, the principle of the guru, the guru tattva, is again brought up, and the word that you're asking about is found therein. Krishna says, Tadvidhi pranipatena pariprashnena sevaya upadakshantite jnanam jnaninas tattvadarshinat. He says that uh, he speaks about different means of acquiring knowledge, different types of knowledge, and so forth. And this is kind of like, well, here's the sum and substance of it all, really. Approach someone who's a seer, tattva-darshina, who, who can see the truth, an experiencer. Such a person should be approached, this is what Krishna recommends, for knowing, tattvidhi pranipatina, and how you will approach a person who knows. You'll approach such, approach such a person in terms of the knowledge that they have, which is venerable. Hmm? Right? 
it's um, it's it's to be given regard. It will free us from our present um, misconception. So the bearer of the knowledge, if you will, has done something to such that the knowledge would choose to reveal itself within him or her. So the carrier has some um, should be given some regard because of what he or she is carrying, and then then to think a little further and why uh, they have set an example as well. Hmm? So their teaching and the fact that they're able to teach effectively in terms of time and circumstance indicates that they've they've followed well. So their example makes them worthy of some respect. They've set an example by which we can um, have, a, have, a, have a, well, an example to follow. Hmm? Examples that, uh, they say... Um, example speaks louder than precept. precept. But both things should be there. The example should be there. The precept should be there. It's said elsewhere that samatpani shrutriyam brahmanishtam. Very nice statement. It includes both sides. The guru should have the precept, shrutriyam, which means he or she has to have heard sufficiently from the sacred text and understood them comprehensively in order to teach that, as we discussed last night, that revelation, teach what its, what its meaning is, to reason about it, it's a heart offering from from the Godhead to us. Revelation, a jumble of sounds, it may appear, because we don't speak heart language. We live in a heartless realm, hmm? wrapped up with nature, identified with it, such that we are more, perhaps, moving in the direction of animality than human than humanity, or to speak of spirituality. So. Difficult to understand that language. Hmm? So, the preceptor understands, has understood, has been schooled well in that, knows the language. He can feel the texts. Hmm? He can be in touch with the, 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 those behind the texts. Hmm? In terms of the Smriti, for example, Bhagwat and so forth, and 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 the Godhead, in terms of the Shruti, hmm. so that uh, able to speak that language and able to speak our language, which human language is again reasoning. That's the human language, but many of us in human dress don't speak it. Hmm. Um, if we speak it well, if we know it well then we know that reason has its limitations. We don't want to live, live, live a reason-ruled life. We want a love-ruled life. Hmm? But we want well-reasoned love, hmm? well-thought-out love. Hmm? Hmm. Not a shadow only of love, not only a sentiment. So learning love can be a little tough. At any rate, the mediator here, the guru, the sadhu, he or she speaks the language of love and the language of reason, so he can communicate the language of love into reason as much as reason allow, as as much as you can. (laughs) Reason is not, uh, love knows no reason, but we can reason about it and speak about it and in, uh, in reasonable ways. And uh, so, and we've discussed this, so this is the business, this is the task then and of the guru who is versed in the language, means srutriyam. Srutriyam means heard. So he's heard, means heard means not in one ear and out the other. Heard, went in one ear, went down into the heart, stayed there, Cause the revolution. Hmm? And then speaking about that. Hmm? 
Shrutriyam and Brahmanishtam. Brahmanishtam means that revolution is taking place. It went in the ear, it went in the heart, created a change. And so, a conduct that corresponds with the with the teaching, an example. So we have both, then, the example and the precept. Shrotriyam, Brahmanishtam. Brahmanishtam means nishtam, means he's not wavering. Hmm? It's like you have some opinion and I can sway it, hmm? or another can sway it. And you can, you, most people are kind of like blowing in the wind with their ideas, and maybe be blown here or blown there. And after all, well, However well thought out you may be materially, um, all such thoughts are subject to being um, displaced by other thoughts. Hmm. Uh, The realm of the focus, material life, and uh, the mere and the mere exercise of the of the thought process of the mind and intellect, it doesn't bring us to a secure, stable um, uh, position. Hmm? Um, the, the idea here is that we're the atma. So, whatever you can uh, do between your ears will never satisfy the self. Hmm? It's still going to feel uncomfortable, and uh, uh, if we, if the soul is to rest in the hands of mind and intellect, it will not be comfortable there. Hmm? Mind and intellect are are categorically different than the atma, than consciousness. And so, in their embrace, uh, this is like a fish out of water, hmm? uncomfortable. So however well we may think things out, we're subject to um, changing our mind. There may be there's powerful arguments to, to change people's minds in the world, whether we, whatever we be absorbed in mentally. But Brahmanishta means he's fixed not in thoughts but in Brahman, the ground of being. So there's no moving from there. So that means heavy, and guru also means heavy. He's got the weight of the world, Brahman, the underlying force that that sustains the whole world. Hmm? uh, uh, He's uh, standing on that ground. Hmm? So he, she, not going anywhere. And uh, so nishtam, brahmanishtam and srotriyam. So because of that, he or she sets an example for us. It's the, you know, people are changing the teachings as they, as they go, or they're, they're making it up as they go a lot of times. Um, but um, one who has knowledge that is actually satisfying, hmm, is fulfilling, there's no need to change. Hmm? So even so many great philosophers are changing, and I don't mean that we shouldn't be open to new, to new thought and so forth. But hmm, thought, uh, ideas, uh, experience—that's actually samprasidati, yayatma, suprasidati, as Bhagavatam says in the first canto, first chapter, where we're studying in second. Chapter Yayatma Samprasidati, Haitukiya Patiyata, Yayatma Samprasidati, that actually satisfies one, hmm? fulfills one. There's no, there's no need to move from there. One cannot be budged by thought. Hmm? So, this then is the one side end in this nice little statement here. Samatpani Srotriyam Bhamanishtam. Samatpani means like to gather, you know, like gather firewood, bring water, something like that. So this is the other side, menial service on the part of the student to the teacher. Bring something to assist in a fire that he's making, a fire of sacrifice. 
that his or her life constitutes a life of sacrifice to bring something ingredient to put in the fire. And what is that ingredient? Myself. Hmm. Symbolic, we throw some grain in the fire, but uh, it's not just a gathering to throw grains in the fire. The idea is, I throw myself in the fire, hmm? and I come out, I'm raw material, I come out cooked and offerable, edible, in my present state, I'm not edible, hmm? I'm not offerable entirely. Hmm? So, uh, so this then, somewhat funny, this is the same idea. Uh, it's a threefold idea in the Gita. Pranipat, Padiprashnena, Sevaya. So, we, we have a, we, 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 we submit, so to speak. We, we recognize that here, um, if I place my head here, then this is where my uh, real interest lies. I place my head there, and then I inquire submissively how I may, I may grow, and I'm prepared to serve. So, pranipat pariprasnena sevaya. So, it means like that, pranipat. We means it, it, it's a, it's really, it means that you have to start speaking the language of love. As I said, the absolute is speaking the language of love. The Guru speaks the language of love and the language of reason for human society to help mediate between ourselves and the God to help to translate love into reason so that we can move from a well-reasoned life to a heart-led life. So this, uh, if the Guru is giving knowledge theoretically, the precept, and giving by way of example, then we shall come and... What shall we do? Come and take? And we shall come to give. And what shall we give? We will give ourselves. This is the beginning of speaking the language of love. Pranipat. Hmm? That's the way when, when Prabhupada said to that teacher, no, not like this. Pranipat, he said. A, te- a theologian came to see him. Yeah. Hmm? And I've told the story several times, but um, and he he asked Prabhupada, "Sir, can you tell me who is God?" And Prabhupada said, "What is this? You you teach theology, and you don't know who God is." <laughs> he said, "This is a farce. You pose yourself as a teacher, and you have students, and they pay to learn about God from you, and you don't know who God is. This is, sounds a little." A course, a little course for the course, a little rough, but uh, uh, that's the way he was sometimes. Um, and uh, he said, "So you know, what is this? You, you say you're a teacher about God, and you, and you ask me who God is. So you don't know who God is. This is the fact. You don't know who God is." So he said, um, "He said, no. He said, I'm asking." Uh, he probably said, you have to ask submissively. Hmm? So what, what, what did he mean? Hmm? Um, he said, in other words, to know about God, you have to begin to, sub- to submit yourself, to give of yourself. Hmm? Not stand back and take, hmm? but to give, to come forward. Not to sit on the fence. Hmm? Um, you know, love is action. It's practical. Hmm? So, uh, so the man said, "Yes, yes, uh, pranipat, pariprasnena seva." He quoted this verse from the Bhagavad Gita. Hmm? So people would have thought, "Oh, well, that okay." He's given a good answer here, and Prabhupada said, "No, not like that. Hmm? You don't understand pranipat." what the word means. It is not simply like this, folding the hands, and, and, and you are here to satisfy your intellect. 
these boys and girls are here to give their life. Hmm? He said, you see this? They were all boys there. I shaved head. He said, that is Bernie Pot. Hmm? In other words, they're prepared to change their lives. Hmm? They're here not for for simply some intellectual uh, titillation and, and so forth. Hmm? So I can go back to the college and say, and, you know, so-and-so says God is like this. Of course, there are many other ways to think about it, and nobody really knows, or whatever. So, uh, no, you want to know about God? Why you ask? Hmm? Do you think that I know? Hmm? If you really think that I know, then, and you really want to know, then sit down. <laughs> right? There's no, there's no reason to go... and you don't know, then stop teaching about God and they enter the real school here. And here's the language we speak. It's love language. It's not an intellectual exercise. It's not licking the bottle of the honey. It's opening the jar and pouring it over you. (laughs) That's what it's about. So his Prabhupada's approach was rather kind of confrontational in a way, but you look at it carefully, you see... He's telling them it's the truth, it's a fact. Hmm? If you want to know who is God, then you have to learn to speak the language. Hmm? And that language is love, and so love is about giving, so you have to give yourself. You're eager to take and hear the knowledge and use it and, in one way or another, but uh, the, the, the fact, the proof that we're actually listening and speaking the language and feeling it and understanding it you're entering into the whole culture, right? Hmm? And you're acting accordingly. So, how does everybody act in Goloka? You know, it's Pranipat. If God comes anyway. With Krishna, they're different, of course. Hmm? But if Narayana comes, then they'll... Or any sage comes. Vetrinadapi Sunitjena. Humble. The, the standard of humility. So, and humility means it, it, it's it's not just a word. In other words, it uh, it um, it's a tangible reality. So, pranipat implies like this: to humble yourself, to submit yourself. Hmm? Pranipat to uh, I'm I'm here, and I'm here um, to change. Hmm? I'm listening to find out how I can, I can change. Not to be patted on the back and told everything's just great. Thanks for the money. Come back next week. <laughs> you know, the, the money is the is the least thing you can give if you have it. That's like the bottom. You know, that's like you know, can give some money. That's like okay, well, something anyway. Hmm. You're often allowed to, to hang on to your, yourself and you get, buy your way out of the whole thing. Mm. <laughs> That's why gurus often misspend money in the eyes of others. Mm. Who's really attached to the money? <laughs> if I'm not attached, then I'll just throw it in the Ganges or throw it in the river, right? Burn it up. Mm. And you say, well, why are you doing that? So who's attached to the money? (laughs) You or me. If I throw it at the deity, and you think, why you had to make such a beautiful temple? I mean, it could have been done cheaper than that. (laughs) (laughs) He always wants the money for, you know, all these things, but he could have done it on, you know. So, (laughs) who's attached to the money? (laughs) So that's the least we can do. Hmm? That's like us. We're living, you know, for that. That's the the paycheck at the, the at the end of the day, the end of the week. So, but we we can't buy our way in. But you know, okay, got to start somewhere. Part with something that's dear to you. But then we part with it. But we don't really. We follow it in. Hmm? <laughs> I'll go up to Swami's and see how he's spending that money. <laughs> yeah, what's going on here? <laughs> so we don't need that. 
You don't need that. That's uh, that you have to let go. Hmm? So and this is this, this is like a small thing. Yeah. Hmm? This is the the, the, the the minimum kind. This is like generosity. We get to do we get to do some Vaishnav save with some 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 money. You give it to the guru. You say, hey, spend it on the Vaishnavas. Hmm? I'm not a Vaishnav. Just spend it on the Vaishnavas, on the devotees, facilitate them. So um, anyway, yeah. So this is pranipat. Hmm? It, uh, it implies some some action to put into action and to act in such a way as to start to speak the language of love. We can see it. It's an it, it's it's a, it's a language of of action, movement. Look at the braj. It's full of movement and explosions, as we were talking about earlier today, all the time, movement, explosions of ecstasy. Leela is full of movement. It's a movement of of the one who's everywhere. <laughs> Figure that out. How can you move if you're everywhere? <laughs> but the God that is moving and playing, um, the, 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 the being is continues to become, <laughs> as we said. Um, so it's a very active... Um, affair. Not, it's not fence sitting. It's not witnessing. Self is witnessing. We want the word self to get involved. Hmm? So, so Pranipat carries these kind of implications. Pranipat and then inquire submissively. Prashnena, Pranipashnena means you inquire, not just to satisfy your intellect, but like you're doing, because I want to make progress. I want to hear something. That uh, I know is true, and then I want to start putting that in place in a, uh, to build a foundation of a house of bhakti, a house of love. Hmm? So not just hearing, just to, for enter- entertainment. Hmm? That's why if you go somewhere, if a sadhu goes somewhere and speaks and so forth once, twice, he or she wants to see that the people are are understanding they're doing something with that they're changing they're giving they're giving giving back so to speak hmm? they're being given to they're going to give back how they give back by, by showing that they've understood hmm? Hmm. Uh, so yeah. that's why he, he stops she stops going there after a while it's just you figure, well, just a form of entertainment, and go there, give a talk. Everybody, thank you. Yeah, it's very good, and nobody does anything with it, so to speak. So, so they want to see that. So, prashnin anyway, it means this kind of inquiry that's um, relevant, a pertinent inquiry. I have a necessity for truth. I come to hear because I might hear something in the talk that just so I go, yeah, that's true. And then if I'm there, if I'm really there, in the way that I should be, I take that and I make that part of my life. Like Prabhupada used to say, he only had one question to ask his guru. How can I serve? That's Pariprashnena. That's the kind of inquiry. Of course, we may ask inquiry, we may inquire about the philosophy and so forth, that we may better understand it, that we may be better equipped to practice because of our practices informed by the theory. In other words, if we have theoretical understanding of what we're involved in, the, more, the better we'll be able to practice. So we should inquire for that. So our inquiry should translate, again, into something practical. Not just a head full of information. Right? And sevaya, so... They're all related. They're under service. Does that help? What else? I have a related or a question from what you were just saying. I find it kind of a little hard to um, uh, understand what you were saying that, that giving money is just a small thing because it seems like it's um, it's one of the hardest things for people 
to give. I mean, people will generally be inclined to give time before money and, you know, it's your facility, you know, um, ability to, to have fun to a certain extent. And so, I mean, the attachment to money is really one of the biggest things in the material world. So, therefore, just, uh, it, you know, I mean it to give things, hmm? for example, money or the things that money can buy, is lesser than to give of give to give oneself. The things are an extension of oneself, hmm? and so. First, we'll give the extension of ourself, and in doing so, we'll preserve our sense of self. So, but to give your sense of self entirely and transform, that's a higher thing. Yeah. That's the idea. But, but it's like in the gradation of, of giving, then giving yourself, you know, that's like it's a starting point really and time is money there's really not much difference people spend their time to make money so I don't I'm not really making a difference between time and money in a sense um, I think it's this it's for, for people who are making money and living in the world I want to say, uh, for example, um, if someone wants to just uh, give some money, it's not enough. Hmm. But they should give, because their money is, is, is what's making up their other world, so to speak. Hmm. Everybody needs some money, too. That's another thing, especially the householders need money, so we, sh- we don't... Um, we don't want to put them in a position that's inappropriate for them without money they have necessities and there's a there's a place for that but but um, I think it's 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 yeah it's, in terms of everybody can hear can chant and so forth but if everybody only did that then who would be hearing and chanting because who would know about it so to make that known and so and to facilitate that that is going to require some time or some money on our part, so we should be participating in that. Yes, Adarla? Is the, the assumption from the way you spoke about the verse, it sounds like the assumption is that that verse is really for someone who's already convinced and placing their head before the, the realized person. Is there any room for looking at that verse from the angle of someone's coming without? Um, being convinced of that? Yeah, no. So it, yeah. Submission maybe comes after the inquiry? As to no, no. No, still the submission comes first because we come and sit, for example, before the guru and we and then we listen and we ask questions. Hmm? So you have to come and sit and you means you I, I accept theoretically, here's a person of knowledge, so I will sit before them and appropriately uh, with, re, with respect for the knowledge that I give whatever the benefit of the doubt is there, and so I'll hear and be polite and submissive and listen, and I'll make relevant inquiries. And, and in, a, in a sense, if you come and you sit... Hmm, Submissively, then you inquire, and the answers start to come. Hmm? When you're getting the answers, then sevaya. Like Prabhupada would have, we used to see this in India, we have a darshan, many people would come. And um, so in the, in the end, there'd be some Indian boy there, and Prabhupada would say, So you've understood? And he would say, Yes, Swamiji. And Prabhupada said, Then? Huh? Then we'd find that guy in the kitchen washing pots. <laughs> You got it, you know. So, so save us. So you you come, you you submit. You know, look, okay, I'm here. Uh, 
theoretically, I'm here. You're a person of knowledge, so I respect you, sir, as such. And let's see, you know, if your knowledge can satisfy me. If not, I respect you and I go away. Hmm? No problem. But if I respect you and I answer, and then the answers are coming and they're good answers, hmm, then what's happening? Then I'm then my doubts are being cleared, so my the suspension that's a product of my suspicion is supposed to be relaxed and converted ultimately into action. So first pranipat, pariprashnena, and then sevaya. Does that help? Yeah. Um, yesterday you were speaking about Supriti and how it comes from contact with someone not influenced by the modes. And I was just thinking that there's a lot of devotees out and about that it's questionable how not influenced by the modes they are, but they're still interacting with people and, and maybe actively trying to bring people in and, and whatnot. So, to what extent can they... Uh... Sukriti Abbas. <laughs> <laughs> they may bring them in touch with the chanting. Hmm? They may not be chanting purely, but or they may invite them to the temple. They'll see the deity. They'll make some offering. I think the idea gets um, played out a little too far where you have a very mixed uh, devotee in terms of their standing, hmm? still very much influenced by material nature, but but practicing, or even not very much. Hmm? And uh, he uh, or she, um, you know, bumps into somebody, and the person says, excuse me, and they think, see, I've created some Sukriti here. I'm a devotee, and the person said, excuse me, forgive me. I mean, <laughs> that's like such an extreme, right? Um, if you take a person like that and, you know, say that he's in, it's a devotee, but he's at the bar, you know, because he's like distracted, whatever, and he's had a couple of drinks and meets somebody and starts talking to him about Krishna, <laughs> you know. And then the guy says, well, you know, why don't you take me to the temple? So the guy takes him there and he goes, you know, by the time he gets to the temple, maybe he's going to get some sukriti, something like In other words, what I'm saying is if, if he's really bad off in terms of his standing and devotion, but does something really extreme by get somebody all the way to the temple to hear from the, the guru or something like that, then maybe he's involved in creating some sukriti for the person. Um, on the on the other hand, if you have a very advanced devotee, any little contact with that person to the extent that that devotee's life is really moved by diving prakritim by the Sarup Shakti, then then you're going to get the uh, with the littlest amount of contact, the greatest results. So there's obviously a, a, a gradation there, and sometimes it really gets. Uh, Extreme, you know, like, I mean, I know, it gets extreme. <laughs> I heard some devotees thought if they stole other people's money, it would bring them sukriti, because it would be good for them. So it's pretty, because they're not spending it, and they're going to spend it for Krishna. <laughs> but uh, Krishna doesn't need their money. So, what else? When you were talking about Pipot with the... That be like uh, Ch- Lord Chaitanya's conversion of Sarvabhoma. Yeah. When Sarvabhoma asked and submissively. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Another question? Yes. I something further on the Sukriti. So, you know, I go to work and I work with these people and they bring in fruits and things from their garden and I always think I want to bring them up here and have them offer. The deities here, so will they get some sukriti yeah, from that? Yeah, they will. Mm, yeah, 
They will. There's a famous story that's sometimes told that illustrates Sukriti of how a monk was going out and um, begging on behalf of the monastery, the temple. Hmm? Came to one guy's house, and the guy had just gotten in a big fight with his wife. Hmm? And so the devotee came with his cloth, you know, asking for something. And the guy was so, like, upset, and, and he said, Get out of here. And he threw, gave him some ashes from the fire. Hmm? He said, yeah, I'll get you some air. Get out of here. Okay. So the guy thought, well, you know, what can you do? I'm out here begging on behalf of Bhagwan, and everybody's not receptive. But anyway, he went back with the ashes, and he used ashes. You can polish brass, you know, with ashes. So he polished the brass of the deities hmm? on the altar with ashes. And after some time hmm, of making his rounds in the village, he came back to that person's house. And the man opened the door and he said, Oh, please forgive me. You're that monk who came and I threw ashes out. You know, I'm so, I was so sorry. And his heart was changed. He, and now he was in a teachable space. So that's bringing the fruits better than, you know, getting ashes thrown at me. On their part, and it's better for you too. What else? Yesterday we were talking about Gorkashwar Das Babaji, just by a drop of dust, his mother's feet pervades most anything in the material world. Uh, question is uh, on page 15 of the Chaitanya Charnarita, the book that you did that, uh, I think it's the Gurashtakam. Shikshastakam? Yeah. Came across the word Chaita, which is the heart, harmony. I was like, uh, consciousness, C-E-T-A-H. So I would like you, uh, if you could expand a little bit more about how that, the Chaita of Gaur Kishore Das Babaji could well, the idea was it was a statement of Bhakti Siddhanta. He said a particle of dust from the feet of Gorkishore could drown the whole world in knowledge. So, what he meant, what he what he meant by that was that um, <clears throat> that uh, love is the be all and all of knowledge, and he personified pure unadulterated love of God, and although he was illiterate, mm-hmm. Hmm, mm-hmm. still he, um, uh, just the, the minutest contact with him would be an education for the most uh, uh, knowledgeable people, even, in, even up to the knowledge of Brahman, if they had knowledge of Brahman, for example, which is real knowledge. Hmm? Mm-hmm. The, the, the person of Gorkishore, he personified Prem, hmm? which makes Brahman look, uh, in its attainment, to be small and meager in comparison. So, um, with a, a little bit of contact with such a person as, uh, is, is edu- educating and uh, uh, we can get more knowledge from, from that than by any other method. Also, to did a particle of the dust of the feet. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a kind of a figure of speech, also. Hmm? So, how do you how do you get a particle of dust from somebody's feet? You kind of got to get under the feet. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's the idea. That's the idea of pranipat too. That in the world, it's thought that you get ahead by stepping on people's heads. And we think that by having your head stepped on by the right people, then you'll get you'll get ahead, something like that. So, if they would submit to Orkishore, then even though he was illiterate, hmm, by material standards, uh, he was uh, was uh, he he was not an educated, knowledgeable person, but um, he personified the knowledge of pure love, and his association would. Would, uh, would drown them in that knowledge, is the idea. Another question? I don't know you were talking about um, 
three different divisions of knowledge in the Bhagavatam, Sambandha, Vida, and Prayojana. You're talking about the different divisions of Prayojana, the different types of love that are available within our Sampradaya, and it mainly focuses on Madhurya Ras and Sakya Ras. And if someone develops Vatsalya uh, Ras, some uh, parental sentiment, they might be better off going to another Sampradaya that focuses on that. I was just wondering, because I was thinking about that and the whole context of, and balance, I'm thinking about how rare, rare it is for devotees to actually be experiencing bhava, to have the advanced sadhakas that are in, in that stage. And, and also about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's um, sampradaya, because he said he can't give all, all four rasas that are available in, in, in Raj, which obviously includes Vatsalya Rasa. And so I just was thinking about that and I was thinking maybe you could elaborate a little bit more on that because it left me a little confused. Uh, well, not sure what your confusion is, but um, um, the idea is that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is, is the Swayam Bhagavan, but he's Yugavatar also. So the Yugavatar teaches and exemplifies the teaching that's most efficacious in the particular yuga, the particular millennium, the particular time. And so, um, personifying that uh, teaching, he taught Nam uh, Kirtan, the mantra that he, the Nam mantra that he, excuse me, distributed, chanted, advocated, his followers chant was the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra. It's a universal mantra. So someone asked the other night, what's the meaning of the mantra? So there are different religious conceptions, spiritual conceptions that can be drawn from it. And so all the conceptions of all the different Vaishnav Sampradayas, uh, devotional Vedantins, can be found in that mantra. And those ideals can be realized um, under the uh, guidance of the Yuga Avatar. So the idea was that the, all the different Sampradayas should connect with the, uh, in the Kali Yuga at the time, after Chaitanya's Mahaprabhu's appearance, with him in some respect, hmm, by embracing, for example, the chanting Nam Kirtan, which is the, the method for the, for the age. And then in the context of that, realize their particular goal, that there would ne- not necessarily be a need for them to change um, Sampradayas. It's a Prabhupada, for example, did a wide kind of recruiting, hmm? and they find some people joined his mission, and in time, as they developed, they found themselves attracted to Vaikuntha. Hmm? And so they made connection with the Sri Sampradaya, or the Madhva Sampradaya, where those things are specialized in and so forth. They go on chanting and so forth, but uh, um, they're more, they're talked about it. We don't talk about it in detail. We talk about it as as something that um, that uh, is um, other than what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was, pre- was personally preoccupied with. Hmm. So these are all bona fide sampradayas, and they're particularly bona fide to the extent that they acknowledge the Yuga Avatar as well. doesn't mean that they should fold up shop and everybody becomes a Godia. The Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to teach about Braj Bhakti in particular. That's a fact. But it doesn't mean that through the Yuga Avatar you cannot get Vaikuntha Bhakti. If you can get Braj Bhakti, you can get that. Hmm? The Balaba Sampradaya, which seems to focus... Uh, to some extent, on on um, Vatsalya Rasa, Rupa Goswami is mentioned him twice in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, after his chapter on Vaidhi Bhakti, or his section on Vaidhi Bhakti and his section on Rag Bhakti, two forms of sadhana. He says, and the others are more or less the same. They call it Maryada. They call it Pushti. The names in the Balasambhadaya for Vaidhi Bhakti and Rag Bhakti. So there was, at the time of, this is the immediate follower of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Rupa Goswami, some 
better kind of relationships, if you will, or more. They were all in Vrindavan, so Balabha was there, Rupa was there, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was there, Sanatana Goswami was there. So Mahaprabhu authorized Balabha. And later on we find we find one thing in Chaitanya Charjamita, but later on and we, we find in, I think, Bhakti Ratnakar Mahaprabhu blesses him hmm, to for his own sampradaya. So we can send people there, no problem. Hmm. But then again, I mean, Bob is rare, as you say, and it can unfold naturally. It can be taught about also for conceptual orientation and and it can be augmented, I guess you could say, or um, one could be helped and coached in terms of pursuing it from those who have a particular bhava. So it's good to attach oneself to them. Therefore, and I know some devotees who came to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Gaudiya Vaishnavism and got involved and they went to the Bhava Sampradaya also. So, with no disregard for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, they just found that you know, it was in a more of a general sense, but that kind of attraction. No harm. What else? Yes. What we, uh, the thing is, you see, um, a bird or a tree, or they represent something, mm-hmm. a certain type of sentiment. It's just got a shape. Mm-hmm. Um, like, um, and so <laughs> the concern is uh, not as much with the form, but with the shape. What's this? What's the serving disposition? Mm-hmm. And it's a serving disposition, whether it's friendly or parental or romantic, and so on. So our main concern is to develop a serving disposition, mm-hmm. and that's pretty easy to figure out. Because let's take you for example. What if you were really wealthy and you had a bunch of servants? You'd know what to tell them to do, right? You know, bring me this, bring me that. Hmm? So you know what a servant should be like. If you had some, you'd have no problem educating them. Hmm? So, but you have to be the servant hmm? in relation to Krishna, right? And uh, and through, through the agency of a sadhu. So you have to cultivate, just like you. How would you expect your servants to act? You wouldn't like, want them to say, "Well, maybe I'll come. <laughs> I'm busy right now," or something like that, right? So. You want to cultivate a basic, general, serving attitude. Hmm? Um, serving ego. And that means letting go of your enjoying ego hmm? as well. So then, as far as serving in Braj in a particular way, in the Prayojan and so forth, the understanding of what that really means will become more clear to you the more you develop a serving ego. But generally... Um, uh, we don't find a guru parampara hmm, that says, "Here's a channel to becoming, you know, a parrot or a tree or a cow." But cow means vatsalya rasa. So, if you want vatsalya rasa, you can become a cow. That's possible. It's also possible. Vatsalya means parental. The cows are giving milk. So. It's, it's possible. You want to become a, a vine, then that's in romantic love. You want to become a cloud, <laughs> it's in friendly love. So I suppose you know it's remotely possible. But the idea of Rag Bhakti is that you find a devotee hmm, who embodies one of these uh, sentiments, primary sentiments, and you follow in their footsteps. Hmm. What else? Yeah. Before you get to the goal, uh, do you have to 
Yes, you have to be renounced, but you can be renounced in any situation. So you don't have to formally be a monk, but renunciation is not as much the way as it is a, a, a product of the a byproduct of the progress. So as you progress, then you what's the sign of progress that you're letting go? Hmm? Right? So that's detachment, renunciation. Everyone has to become completely detached from material life. But you could be detached and be in any situation. That's also possible. Hmm? At the same time, making a try for something like monastic life is, is, is there's no harm. Hmm? Nard says, try and fall, but at least you you went that far along and you developed a sangskar, pick yourself up from there and go forward. So monastic life is 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 gonna only be as good for anyone as they're suited suited for it psychologically. And um that means, you know, if they're here but their mind is always going somewhere else, then they're not that much here. So um in one sense it's it's um it's not for everybody, but in everybody's life, they have to become um, renounced. We become renounced by being detached from material things by becoming attached to Krishna. Um, if we find that there are those who are more renounced, we should try to associate with them as much as possible. And that will help us. So Mahaprabhu's teaching is not that everyone has to become a sannyasi. Grihe tako vane tako sadahadi bole tako. So whether we are a householder or a sannyasi, doesn't make any difference as long as what is it? Sadahadi bole tako. You're always chanting, and to always chant means turn out a piece and eat chena. And I start talking like that, and you sound. Starts to sound like a monk or something. <laughs> Renounced. So, so uh, you can't, you know, yeah, you can't, you can't keep the anchor in and expect the boat to go to the other side. So, in that sense, yeah, you have to give up, and you, and you have to give up uh, your attachments as knowledge and understanding come. And while knowledge and understanding is is not coming, try to serve those who have knowledge and understanding. And that will, you know, rub off on you. What else? Yes. Oh, that's complicated. Uh, there are different Buddhas. Um, even in Buddhism. Um, but the Buddha who is in Hinduism is considered to be an avatar of Vishnu. Basically taught uh, non-violence. And, um, and he opposed, when we say animal sacrifice, that's connected with something that's connected with a desire for material acquisition, religion for material acquisition. So um, there was a, a time when that was the prominent representation of the Vedic wisdom and the sacred text, that what they were all about was you perform these sacrifices and you acquire you improve yourself materially. You go to heaven, hmm? and uh, that's not 
essentially what the teachings are about. Rather, the, the Vedanta, the latter portion, which is smaller but more important, is about the idea of of not acquiring and going within and growing and being realizing the self and so forth. So the idea has been presented that in the face of this huge kind of um, representation of the Vedanta that didn't tell the whole story that people were getting caught up in in the name of the sacred texts and so forth, the Buddha came and said, well, if that what the, what's the text, if that's what the texts say, then I'm not interested in them. Then they can't be divine. They can't be aparusheya. They're written by human beings because they present only human values, hmm? human ideals within this world. So he dismissed the Veda. Hmm? And in, 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 and in the context of that, the sacrifices. And he, he, he gave this perhaps as a prominent example of the kind of hypocrisy and, uh, uh, that uh, even at the cost of others, comfort and so forth. And this is what, what material life is about, the cost of others' comfort, you, you, you proceed. So he was against that. That's pretty noble. Mm-hmm. You follow? So every teacher has to be understood in terms of time and circumstance what their emphasis is, what their particular purpose is. Hmm? If we try to make more out of that than what their particular delegated service is, empowered contribution is, then we may get um, uh, off into something else. So this is kind of how the Vaishnavas look at that. He should be seen for that purpose, um, that that kind of contribution. And... um, and then, of course, following the Buddha came the Shankar, who tried to take it back then hmm? um, in the direction of the Veda and the Vedanta. So uh, God works in you know different ways. So if we see the Buddha as a Vishnu avatar, then we see him as an empowered person, Shaktivesha avatar, for a particular purpose in time. And... It's not necessary that he's there to teach everything for everybody for all time, and uh, uh, but but a particular lesson. Now, other people have made lessons out of the Buddha, and which Buddha, you know, that's that's debatable hmm, as well. And they've made a Buddhism. I don't think that I don't know. There's not much history about the Buddha that uh, can be put together. But there's a lot, number of different schools that say they. They represent him, and there are prominent people who actually taught doctrines. But what the what the Buddha taught, we know he taught these things. Um, he taught a kind of negative negative theology in a way. Hmm. Um, and so we take it as a as a contribution at the time that was valuable, but it's superseded by successive and progressive teachings in the direction of theism, from Shankar to Ramanuja to Madhva to Chaitanya and so forth. And this is Kali Yuga, so it's all unfolding. So it's like if you have uh, a gathering and you have a main speaker. The main speaker is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and before that so many other people are coming and giving some speech and saying something of value and so forth. But its true value is understood in light of the main speaker. So with the advent of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, then all these things should be put in perspective. Ignoring the, the teaching of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, we make a religion out of the Buddhists' teaching that contradicts Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, then it becomes problematic. Hmm. that help? You're, you're, you're not clear on that. No, we not. We say there's more than that that is being offered. Hmm? And successively, if we look at kind of like installments from the Godhead to the world in terms of avatars, we find varied degrees of 
penetration into transcendence and ego effacing are being discussed. Hmm? So we honor the Buddha's ego effacing teaching, but we find that, for example, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's ego effacing teaching is such that we replace the serving, the enjoying ego with the serving ego, and you got a, you got, you enter into lila instead of uh, nirvana, which just means to put out suffering. The Buddha's teaching to put out suffering. This is what the Buddha says. Look, and we agree. The the world is about what th- uh, desire. What are the four teachings? Desire causes. Suffering. Trishna causes dukkha. Suffering can be ended by stopping thirst, desire. And how? Through right livelihood. Hmm? This is the four teachings. We agree with them 100%. Hmm? The world is a fire of desire, thirst. That thirst causes suffering. Suffering can be ended. And it can be ended by light, right livelihood. We agree. Hmm? What constitutes right livelihood? We feel there is a progressive teaching in the person of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? And we say something else. Not only can suffering be ended, but ecstasy can be experienced as well. Hmm? So you can't tell everybody everything Something's left for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to give. Right? Otherwise, why would we need Chaitanya Mahaprabhu if the Buddha gave everything? <laughs> so Buddha gave something, we appreciate the contribution. Hmm? Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gave something. We look at him and see, is there a progression there? We feel that there is, so we, we honor the Buddha and we embrace Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teaching. Hmm? That helps, huh? That, that worked for you. Okay. Okay. So what's the time? Ten to eight. Oh, okay, so it's, we start at six thirty. Okay, we stop there. Go, Bhaktivinoda ki jai. Go, Premanandi.